Thanks for downloading this episode from Teachers Talk Radio. You can find the full schedule and listen back to all our shows at ttradio.org. Enjoy the podcast. Teaching is a rewarding profession, but it comes with its fair share of challenges. That's where ADAPT come in. We're not your typical trade union, but instead a modern, apolitical alternative, offering expert legal, employment and mental health support. Protection without the politics. So what makes ADAPT different? We're always apolitical and independent, specialised solely in supporting individual teachers. Our caseworkers are professionally qualified, ensuring you always get the best advice. Plus, there's 24-7 mental health support. Whether it's a simple contract check or handling serious allegations, ADAPT are here for you. Join the thousands of educators who've chosen ADAPT to protect their careers. Subscribe at adapt.org.uk today. ADAPT. Supporting school staff. Protecting careers. Good evening, everybody. Um, I hope you can hear me. It is Monday evening. Um, thanks very much to those who have jumped on straight away uh, for this one. Uh, we appreciate it. Um, it's going to be a really interesting discussion this evening um, around supporting teachers who are victims of abuse and assault in schools, trying to prevent these things from happening, if we can. Um, it is on the rise. I'm going to go through some very damaging statistics with you in a moment um, around why I decided to do this show, this particular conversation. Um, I think it's been um, a really tumultuous period um, for violence and abuse and other such things in schools um, since COVID. I, I think these things existed before COVID, of course, but uh, the the thinking is that in the last two to three years, things have accelerated in this regard in a way that probably people didn't necessarily predict um, before the pandemic. Um, so tonight is about discussing that and tonight is about uh, helping you if, if you are maybe in that situation or maybe you are a school leader or somebody who's working in and around schools who is considering um, how you might react to these situations. So it's also about that. It's also about exploring the stories of some teachers who've been affected and impacted themselves by this and how they have dealt with it and responded to it and tried to um, work their way through this. Um, and we've also got EDAPT with us this evening to offer us the legal and professional standpoints, perhaps, if we want to call it that, on how teachers can act in situations where they are assaulted or abused uh, in the classroom or in the school environment. Um, and just just to begin with, um, the NAS UWT, of which one of my guests, Wendy, is, is an executive uh, member, um, they published a survey back in April and they said that more than one in 10, that's 13% of teachers, have been physically assaulted by a pupil in the last year. Um, this was a big survey that NASUWT carried out back in April. And within that, um, they also found that 22% have experienced pushing or shoving 
19% have had the threat of a physical assault and 58% have had verbal abuse directed at them during the during the prior academic year to the survey. And when I read these statistics, I wasn't surprised, but equally I should be surprised. Shouldn't I, you know my 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 feeling was we we should be surprised by this. We should be thinking this is awful. Um the numbers here if we were to say you know if it was like two percent or something that would be bad enough um when it comes to assault and abuse but we're talking you know 22 percent 19 percent 58 percent and that big statistic of more than one in 10 13 percent have been physically assaulted by a pupil in the last year according to this research so these are not like small statistics in my opinion these are these are big statistics that's my reading of them and it requires action. It requires thought and action to make it better. Um, I mentioned Edapt earlier, who will be hopefully joining us uh, as well within within the conversation. And they actually sponsor all of our shows on Teachers Talk Radio at the moment, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, if you don't know who Edapt are, it's pronounced Edapt. Um, and they are not your typical trade union. Um, they're a modern apolitical alternative. They offer expert legal, employment and mental health support. Um, their strapline is protection without the politics. Um, if that appeals to you, we're going to be talking more about them as the show goes on. But if you are interested in exploring what EDAPT can offer you as a professional, visit edapt.org.uk uh, today. Have a look around the website. Um, if you're interested in taking up a subscription with EDAP, then you can get a 10% discount on any subscription that you take out by using the coupon codes TTR annual or TTR monthly. If you put one of those codes in, you get a 10% discount on EDAP membership um, straight away. So it's worth exploring. Um, and we're going to be hearing from EDAP later around this issue of teacher abuse and assault. Um, I want to introduce my two guests now. So we'll just check they can hear us. Wendy, if you want to unmute yourself bottom left first off. Hi, good uh, evening. How are you this evening? I'm good, thank you. Ian. Excellent. Now, I will introduce you properly in a moment. I'm just going to make sure Shanika is also there. Um, Shanika, if you want to unmute yourself. Hi. Hi, everyone. Hi, Excellent. Tom. Good Good evening to you. Um Right. I, I think what we'll do, um, I might ask Wendy, first of all, if you can just give us an introduction, Wendy, to, to you and what you do and your career path to date. Yeah, um, I'm Wendy Exton and um, I've been a teacher now for 28 years. Um, so I started off as a mainstream classroom teacher teaching design and technology. Um, I landed up as a Senko um, before doing a master's um, and then I specialised and, and went into alternative provision teaching. Um, so as, as well as that, I'm also the national executive member of the NASUWT and I do casework and support teachers who are, who are in um, trouble or needing support as well as dealing with whole school issues. Um, I'm now a supply teacher. Um, obviously, you know, my career path and, and my experiences meant I had to leave my last post um, due to, you know, appalling pupil behaviour and continual assaults. 
um you know something like i've never experienced before in my life um so yeah i mean that that's my background um i, I don't know tom what else you want me to say Do well no that's that's or, abs- or? That, that's absolutely perfect i mean obviously what i want to do is dig into those experiences the impact that they had mm-hmm. on you um can you talk us through like the first when was the first time you experienced uh, an assault in school i mean the, the first time i experienced can you remember it i can it? remember it vividly um and it, it's horrible um going back um because mm. like i say you know in in the 90s early 2000s it was just like low level disruption that you just dealt with it wasn't an issue um but you know, with the rise of COVID and, uh, you know, we had a change of management with the alternative provision contract. Um, they basically did away with any form of sanction or any form of um, recompense for, for students. And it just became um, a very dangerous environment of which there were no consequences for the students. So I remember vividly um being spat at by a boy um i mean to look at him you'd think oh lovely blonde hair blue eyes and he he spat at me and and, and called me something and then a bit later on in the day he actually launched himself at me um and you know it was just like totally out of the blue totally unexpected and you know I, i went home with a few a few bruises um but the very next day the child was back in school because his behavior was classed as an SEN need and throughout the latter end of my career when I was teaching not on supply a lot of these behaviors were described as an SEN need and it just wasn't helpful when you're trying to teach and deal with children to have no ownership of their behavior as such um mm-hmm. so i mean just just to sort of circle back a bit there when did when was that you know in terms of it, just try and give us a year of when that sort of first experience was that you've just described was that like 10 years ago, no, years that, ago? that was 2019 that was 2019 that yeah was. right yeah right and how did the, so i'm guessing there were similar instances to that that you've had you know but that was one that obviously had an impact on you at the time that that had an impact on the time but but what followed was because there was no consequence and and I'm I'm yeah. not one of these teachers that is saying oh you know exclude exclude because I don't believe it's the answer but there are things and avenues that are open to us that we can use and there was just nothing in place it was just that child has an SCM need and that was the end of the matter. That so that was, so you, a- after this happened, mm. you, did you go to the school? You went to leaders and said, yes. this has just happened. Yeah. And yeah. their response was. It's an SEN need. Write it up on CPOMS. It's an SEN need. You know, it, it, we can't make, uh, put him at home. His home environment isn't safe. It's an SEN need, so, you know, he needs to be in school to be kept safe. But what we then had was this bravado from students who, you know, assaulting a teacher. It was a bit like confrontations with the police. You know, it gives them bravado when they assault someone in authority. So because they'd seen somebody get away with it, it's then spiralled and it became that 
practically every other student was abusive or violent. Yeah, because they got away with it, yeah. And it gives them bravado. Um, so, you know, this this is what we then had. And Did, I, I did felt... the student, did, did I'm guessing the student did have, was on the send register. Oh, yeah, said yeah. That. I mean, um, all, all the students I taught were on SEND registers, right. but what we'd seen with the takeover of the contract for alternative provisioners, because they'd removed any form of sanction and had tried to explain away the behaviours using trauma-informed practice, dare I say it, yeah. SEN needs, it took away any responsibility for, from that student for their so behaviour. So when they introduced the trauma, inf- well, the so-called, in inverted yeah. commas, trauma-informed practice, was that around like 2019, 20? Yeah. Or was that, yeah. So up yeah. to that point, how long did you already worked in the school up to that point? Oh, I'd done a, a good seven years. Okay. Um, so Never had any issue. You know, yeah, you had your, your low-level idiocy and, and you, you know, the, the children were there for a reason, but you know, we, we had sanctions that we could employ, like we kept them back after school or we got parents in before they were reintegrated or we took away their social times or we had tools to use to curb these behaviours so they knew that there was a right or wrong. But with the changeover of the contract, all those sanctions as such disappeared. And what we had was this total taking away the onus of the behaviour from the student and, and just categorising it as an SEN need. So when you say, when you say like, the, the, the policy change, you have this, this takeover, if you like, in 2019, yeah. the contract changed, the policies changed. Yeah. I'm just wondering, like, what... I know this sounds like an obvious question, but what did that actually look like then in the classroom? Was that, like, what were you told to do when things went wrong? So when things went wrong, we had a system with radios and, and you know, we, we if we couldn't manage it at a classroom level, we had to call what was called a level on a radio and someone would supposedly come to the classroom. And if somebody did come to your classroom to deal with that student, they were taken out, spoken to and then returned back into your lesson to pick up where they left off. And the people who were like the on-call team leadership, you know, because they didn't teach in the classroom as such, they didn't realise the extent of the behaviours. And, you know, this child would then be, oh, I'm really sorry, I didn't realise to them. And then they were back in your lesson again. So So there wasn't, when you say you went, you pretty much went sanctionless. Yeah. There wasn't a sanction that was... There wasn't a sanction at all. And... You know, the other aspect of it we had was, oh, if a child needs to smoke to enable them to engage in their lessons, then they should be allowed to smoke. So what was happening then is you had a whole class of kids who were going out to smoke and we were then expected to supervise them. And I'm not doing that. You know what I mean? It's... I'll be honest, though, Wendy, I know you. Th- this is an AP we're talking about, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. The context. I mean, funnily enough, and this is purely anecdotal, um, mm. But at the end of the road where I live, there is actually an AP. Um, yeah. And um, often I do see students within the site, um, sort of within the yard, sort of vaping together. Yeah. Um, sort of thing. So I can imagine that the whole let them smoke to regulate 
might go on more than you think. It, yes. <laughs> I, I, I totally agree with you there. But before then, we were a no-smoking site and it worked. Mm. Um, Mm, and, mm. and and that does concern me. Um, and I'm not just talking alternative provision settings. I mean, with my executive role, I, I go into schools and deal with collective behaviour issues. And yeah. I'm finding it's more of an issue, even in mainstream schools now, not just alternative provision settings. Um, yes, you know, oh, oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. From, from what you read anecdotally, again, we don't have... Apart from that NAS survey, I'm not aware of any other major surveys on this particular issue. But on a purely anecdotal level, it does seem that assaults mm -hmm. and abuse are on the rise, particularly since COVID. Yes. I'm wondering, going back to that assault you experienced, just, just yeah. tell us that again, what, what happened, you know, that one. And what I'm interested in this time is the impact on you as a professional um, well, from there. What what happened? I mean, obviously, I had the the assault whereby you know the the child spat at me and then launched himself at me. But you know that that was one of many, and the the straw that broke the camel's back. I think looking back was a child that um, well, it was a group of boys that barricaded me into a classroom. You see, and I couldn't get out. And, and did they just do this for a laugh? Yes, it just... they, yeah. They they found it hysterically funny, funny. and. I couldn't get help. I couldn't get somebody to come and get me out of that room and release me from those boys that had basically barricaded me into a classroom and wouldn't let me out. And, you know, the, the impact on me, I mean, I'm, I'm tough. I mean, I said at conference, I'm from Stoke-on-Trent, you know, I'm, I'm tough. Yeah. But it broke me. And I can remember walking in to briefing the next morning and... I just had tears rolling down my face and I just couldn't do it anymore. And I said to my boss, I've got to take some time out. I can't carry on like this. It's really, really getting to me. And, you know, after that, I was diagnosed with PTSD and I had like months of real graphic nightmares with wow. shouting and aggression. And I, I felt trapped in them all and the impact I, I struggle to even now, you know, sort of a couple of years down the line to, to recover from that. Wow. And I never, ever thought I'd see myself at that. You know, I'm very resilient. I'm very, mm -hmm. you know, lots of teaching experience, very successful teaching experience. Yeah, because you've done like 20 years to that point, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, completely. You know, and, and that broke me. It really did. What would you like... You sort of touched on this already, but how would you have liked um, the school to have reacted to stop this from being the way it was? I, I think robust systems in place. I mean, it's the way some teenagers are, you know, but we need robust systems to deal with these kinds of behaviours. And, and we don't have that, you know, across the UK. We don't have those sort of systems mm. whereby children who do behave in this manner are held to account and I think we need to move away from excusing behaviours as an SEN need, it's not helpful we need to move away from this uh, restorative approach which takes responsibility away from the students and we need to go back to sort of 
removing the nice things that perhaps these children enjoy. I'm not talking mm. excluding because no. I don't believe that children on the street is the right thing to do. But, you know, there needs to be consequences for their actions. And we're not setting them up in the right way, are we? That when they're 18, there's the criminal justice system. And if you behave like that, you know, you're in handcuffs, you're in a cell, you're in court. Life isn't soft and cosy, is it? So we're doing them no favours in a way by excusing away these things. That then... um, Amy's actually commented, um, saying perhaps there is a reluctance to challenge these behaviours. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, when you look at leadership, certainly the leaderships that I experienced, that they didn't want things to be reported on the systems because the local authority commission places, which would mean less money. And I know with mainstream schools, they're reluctant, aren't they, to get the bad press of an exclusion? Mm, or Yeah, because you mentioned that. I read an interview you did, I think it was with The Independent, maybe, yeah. where you did mention this. You said that there was that, and I've witnessed this myself. I In, in one school I worked in, I talked to the then head teacher of that school and they were under pressure to not exclude and to not yeah. and to not even just to take punitive action right even even short of exclusion right yeah. for and you've mentioned that yourself i'm wondering like what do you think that was at play in the experiences you had that pressure on the leaders in the school to not to not react I think a lot of it was to do with finances. Um, okay. I mean, the the the, um, the Matt who took over the contract has now been disbanded by the DFE, um, which, you know, says a lot about what was going on there. But there was a lot about, you know, taking money and very little was delivered on the front line. Um, so I think there's an element of bad press and certainly, you know, losing money in, in that sort of an aspect. But I know in mainstream schools, I think it's more to do with Ofsted and to do with, you know, reporting exclusions that they just don't want to do or mm. have any form of bad press or that yeah. the things that they've implemented isn't working. I mean, I know the restorative approach is very, very trendy, but and staff have had all this training rolled out to them and the fact that that may not be working you know it doesn't sit right does it with with leadership in that respect mm -hmm. um i'm gonna bring shanika in now but i'm gonna come back to you wendy if that's yeah. okay, i've got lots more to ask you actually yeah um, yeah as we sort of go on okay. um but shanika if you want to unmute yourself um how are you this evening you okay I'm all good. How are you? Excellent. Now, good. listen. I want to. I want to ask you about sort of your career today and and any experiences you've had in this arena. Okay. Okay. So for the last couple of years, I've been a primary school teacher. But before that, since I was like 16, I've been in like a TA. So I've always been educa in education. I've been like a nursery nurse. I've worked in secondaries, primary, and then. Um, quite recently I decided oh, I wanted to give it a try working in a pupil referral unit because I was like I just feel like I really want to push children um and I really want to push children who maybe life's not always been that easy on them and you know I always think that those children deserve that enthusiastic teacher teacher who 
really want to take them above and beyond. So that's that, that's where my focus is for today in a people referral unit. I don't know, do you want me to continue? Or I do, I do, I absolutely do. Carry okay. on. Okay, <laughs> okay, so I decided to go to a people referral unit and I know at the beginning, I think a lot of people were worried about me because they were like, you know, it can get physical, all of that. And I think I was already aware of that. I was aware that, you know, things could get physical and it did at points, you know. You, do you know what? It became the norm at times where, you know, you'd get little kicks, little bites, all of that. But um, we were trained to positively handle slash restrain uh, always two people. So, um, you know, I got used to that every now and then. A child didn't want to learn, they might throw a book. Um, you know, I remember one child saying, oh, my gosh, miss, you're so amazing. You didn't even flinch. Wow. And I was like, well, I'm not scared of you. But that, those are things that I kind of got used to. Um, but what I didn't get used to, and this is why I'm here today, is that um, I just didn't feel supported at times. And I think I had two major occasions. And one of the first major occasion was um, when I was physically assaulted, but in my face. And, you know, I've had some other things go on in the school. Like I said, we've had kicks, we've had throwing of books. But actually, it was quite manipulatively done. Um, lots of people were present, so they saw it. Um, it was so bad that my nose was bleeding. Um, and, so when you uh, say had, you bleed, your, your face was bleeding. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, you know, my nose was swollen. I had to go to the doctors, and I remember when I went to the doctors, I was just explaining it like nothing. And she was like, "Do you know that's assault?" I was like, "No, it's nothing. It's, it's not assault. It's all right." And she was like, "No, it's not all right." And she just, I remember her saying, "You know, police officers don't go to work to get. You might have your views, but police officers don't go to work to get attacked." And I was like, "Yeah, but I work in a people referral unit." And I remember her saying that doesn't mean you deserve to get punched up so bad that your face is swollen. And I think my family and friends are really confused because they were like, well, what's, they were like, that's not okay. What's going on with that? What's going on with the child? And, um, you know, I remember taking some time off. I was signed off and going back to work. And the head teacher showed me a picture of her, <laughs> of her with a black eye from one of the kids previously. And she was just like, it's not that bad. You, at least you don't have this. This is this. And she showed me a picture of someone else who'd been injured. Um, and I was just like, but I still, I'm still in pain. Like, let's not take away from that. And I remember her saying, this is what happens. You know, this is part of being in a Peru. And I just thought, that's that's not a part. That's not what I've signed up for, um, for it to be okay. And I think I then started to wonder. And, you know, I agreed a lot with what Wendy was saying because I was like, mm what happens next? What happens next? And the child, obviously, we're already in a crew, so it's hard to exclude from a crew. Uh, he was given some time off, but um, or some time excluded for like a few days. Uh, but then when he came back, he was, given out a t he was given a timeout card. So whenever he wanted to leave the class, he could just go out. Uh, he didn't apologise. Um, it was just, I just thought, well, this is not the best way. This is not this is not great at all. Um, so that was strike one. Do you want me to continue to strike two or hold on for now? <laughs> no, please do. I carry on. <laughs> I've got I've got questions, but I want you to carry on first. Okay, and then I'm gonna stop. But um, strike no, two was um despite everything, um, we got to a few months later and I had a child um in my class who um you know has autism, he's on an autistic spectrum, but he um uh, every now and then during that week, he was just touching me and inappropriately touching me. Um, so he'd already touched me on my bum one day. And I remember telling the head teacher, uh, the deputy head, like, this is not on. 
he didn't really receive any consequences from that. And I thought that was ridiculous. Um, but then a yeah. few days later, he did it again. And he went to touch my bum. I straight away went to the deputy head because the head wasn't there on the day. And the deputy head, um, she, she was just like, oh, okay. And she did not deal with it. I had to deal with that boy in my class uh, touching my breasts four times, touching my bum, excuse my bum, seven times, uh, licking my arms, saying crazy stuff. And no one came. Uh, my TA helped. Someone else came to try and help. But actually, no senior leadership team came to help until right towards that 2 p.m. Um, and I just remember being in shock where I had to actually stand in front of the door um, so that the boy could not get into the class whilst I taught the lesson. And I've been in the education business for a long time. You know, I do yeah. a lot of work with um, the Department for Education, lots of different yeah. people and the union. And I was just like, this is shocking that a school has not dealt with this. And I remember talking to lots of people. I spoke to you. I spoke to a lot of people because I was really confused. Yeah how it was being dealt with. I filed my own police report. The police came in the end because actually the boy then did it to multiple people. And once he had done it to multiple people, then all of a sudden they called the police. Um, but the police then said, because this boy was of age of criminal responsibility, he had been touching people all day inappropriately. They did say they can't do anything because he is um, he is autistic. That's what they actually generally said. <laughs> they said, even though he's of age of criminal responsibility because he's autistic, they were like, uh, we're not going to take it any further. And um, uh, then the next day, a lot of us were told uh, we're taking it too, um, too, too much to heart. And that, you know, we need to remember that we're there for the children. And if we're, not, if we're actually not here supporting those children, maybe we shouldn't be there. Um, even though a lot of us were triggered, someone had... A member of staff had been had a traumatic experience growing up being touched up. So actually he was touched up and he was he felt really upset. And, um, you know, I remember for me, that was just shocking. I remember saying emails and getting like such lousy emails back um, lots of gaslighting. And um, yeah. I think Wendy did mention before, you know, some schools use it as an excuse where they're like, oh, they're on the SEND register. I can't do anything. You know, we're excusing this behavior and it's not fair because these children, they'll go out to do it in the world, in the bigger world. And well, that's, that's why okay. that's that's what I was about to say, really, is that is that one of the one of the features, I guess, of of, of school or education in general mm -hmm. is to prepare students for being 16 or 18 and, and going out into the wider world. Yeah. And there are no sort of stipulations or excuses or reasoning once they hit 18 or over if they're in the street and they assault somebody you know mm -hmm. they've assaulted them it's against the law um, yeah and if they assault somebody in a hospital or a police station or a, a football ground wherever it is if they assault somebody it's an assault yeah and you know my sort of question and concern is are we are we creating a society where assault and abuse is normalized with the very people as in young people who we actually need to be strongest with on this mm -hmm. no because because you know that there if it was let's say for example school was for oaps <laughs> yeah. let's say you, let's say you started work at the age of 11 like in the yeah. industrial revolution or whatever <laughs> and then you went to school when you were 70 or something and they and then in school you you sort of were able to you know i'm not going to use the phrase get away with it but you know you you like you've just described that that 
certain things were normalized in that environment mm-hmm. or are okay in that environment or excused in that environment maybe when as an oap it wouldn't be quite <laughs> as bad because you've had all that life experience you understand what life is like outside of the, the education bubble but when mm-hmm. someone particularly at primary level but even at yeah. secondary level they, they they might not have a clue they might genuinely think that certain things are okay and you know whether it's a a, a a pru whether it's a mainstream school whatever it is wherever it doesn't matter because eventually these kids have to go out into the world so yeah so i wondered like f- from your perspective and that is absolutely appalling um <laughs> yes. you know it's, I, I said this to you yeah you know, i said this to you before when I it's absolutely it's absolutely terrible it makes my blood boil <laughs> To the yep. point where I don't even know if I'm going to get through the rest of the show because I just <laughs> it makes me fume off, and yep. I've got to be, act all professional. But actually, what mm-hmm. I what I want to do is punch a wall. Um, it's you. absolutely shocking. Um, yeah. But what would you what? So I suppose what I'm asking you, Shanika, is the same question I asked Wendy, and I'll bring Wendy back in in a minute if she's got any sort of commentary on your experience as well. But like I wanted to ask, what would you have wanted to happen in that situation with regards the school the police you know what consequences would you have liked to have seen what should have happened um the biggest thing is support i just think support and it's not even like you know i'm a teacher and i i'm not hard on this child necessarily i'm hard on the support that was not given by slt because i think you know, if they supported me, if I told you, I told you at 8.40 a.m., why was this child still there the whole day? Yeah. Then later on, you called the police at 2 o'clock saying, asking for statements, only when everyone else had felt that way. Um, I just felt like if I've asked you, and I don't ask for a lot, I'm the kind of person, I keep it moving as a teacher. Uh, you know, I really love to help others. So actually, this was a point where I'm actually asking you for help. And I'm like, this is not okay, what's going on? I think just having that support and realizing and I, I get it we've got children on the snd res- register um but we're not helping them because eventually they'll go out in the real world they will go out in the real world and people won't be like oh gosh they're on the snd register okay they've just said something racist to me or they've just touched me up but that's fine they won't realize that so you know consequences are needed you know sanctions are needed and i think what i loved about Prue is that there were consequences and sanctions but I found like in this particular one it was sometimes and I think even I remember the next day when we all came in and then we were told not to discuss the issue anymore what had happened some of us really need to get over basically what happened and we were told that you know if the boy was to come back he's not going to get any consequences for what happened because they've linked it to something else that's happened in his life and I just thought but there you go he spent the whole day touching people were actually so bad that like I remember going to the toilet that day and crying just like when Wendy was talking I remember doing that because I was just like what the hell like an adult can't touch me I'm from Tottenham please don't try it so uh, (laughs) let alone a child coming to do this and I don't know how to let like how do you push a child away you know we're told to restrain children when they're being physical to you two adults but yet all day I was stood there so I just think support is important and you know yeah, that's that's what I'm going to say. Just the support from SLT, them yeah. getting involved when they need to get involved instead of just waiting till right at the end. And yeah, that's it. And actually, I think there's a, and this is something we, we may move on to 
a bit later is like the government as well. There needs to be, uh, you know, Wendy touched on this, that, that there has to be that. Surely there has to be. And I'm asked, putting this question out there to everybody listening as well. And thanks, everybody, by the way. I know some people have been dipping in and out. Got quite a few people who've been listening in and out. But my question is, surely assault and surely assault should be zero tolerance. Like, it is in hospitals. It is in police stations. It is in lots of other public areas, but not necessarily in schools. And, you know, it's the more we go with this and the more we chip away at this idea, um, in my opinion, the more worrying that is. Um, Wendy, I wondered whether you had any comments on what you've heard there from uh, from Shaniqua. I think we've obviously got a very similar experience, um, you know, in, in in that we've got this thuggery going on uh, now. Mm. And when you put together, you know, groups of children who've all been permanently excluded for similar reasons and are, are probably involved in criminal activity in the community, they sort of bounce off each other in a way. And without that support from leadership, to appropriately sort of deal with these students, things just escalate and become really, really dangerous. Um, but uh, again, you know, we don't tolerate these behaviours. When they leave school at 18, you know, the police don't say, oh, you know, you, you, you've, uh, you've got an SEN need, you know, never mind. And, you know, I found when I was, um, when I was teaching on alternative provision, we had these <laughs> students that obviously were involved with criminal activity and we're in the youth courts and we had support staff writing letters to um you know that the judges at the youth court to say oh they're a nice person really and it just wasn't helpful they needed to be held to account i mean one of them had actually uh robbed an old man with a knife and and she was writing a letter saying he was a nice kid really but it's inexcusable it it really is. Um, and, you know, when the police were called in our environment, the police officers always used to joke and say, we couldn't do your job because at least we can arrest them. We have no power, nothing, when they are behaving in this way. So we rely on the support of leadership teams to deal with them appropriately. Um, and, and there are things that they can do and, and you know, that uh, things that can be employed and they used to be. But we've just gone away from all this with this trendy, you know, SEN need and trauma informed approach. And it just isn't helpful at dealing with things that the chalk face. Mm. I, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Because we're in a situation where I said this at the very start of the of the show this evening um the NAS survey in April um 13 percent of teachers so more than one in 10 um have been physically assaulted by a pupil in the last year I don't have the comparative data on that for like 1995 or whatever but I would I would think it would be lower I I refuse to believe that in the in the 90s and early 2000s it was up at 13% of teachers who've been physically assaulted in the last year. I, I'd be shocked if that was the, the stat from there. So it's like one of the things we talked about there is like you, you've said, Wendy, that you feel that behaviour policies need to be stronger. You've criticised trauma-informed approaches yeah. as, a, as almost like a smokescreen for, for 
excusing this. Um, but I wondered, like, is there anything else? Like, what does the government need to do? Is there something at a higher level that needs to happen to 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 really stop this? Like, how do you how do you like you mentioned about like the old school when where you mentioned it was you you yourself said it was like the old school approach of taking something off the kids yeah not exclusion but like I, I guess what you're saying is like a proper sort of sanction slash I I don't know what you call that but like something tangible um i mean it's from my own experience i mean i I look back to sort of i mean i started teaching in 1994 i was never physically assaulted never um you know that that didn't happen until 2019 um and you know I, i can never recall colleagues being assaulted either um I mean, when I went into alternative provision, I mean, the year I started and there was 2007 and we were all team teach trained, you know, so we were trained to safely handle students if we had to. But we never, ever used it. And, you know, it's obvious that something has gone wrong. And the government, I think, needs to be looking at what we do to address these issues and by that, I don't mean a, a working group that involves a bunch of CEOs or or people who left the classroom many, many years ago. It needs to be talking to those of us at the chalk face as, as about what we think works and what they can be doing mm. to support us. Mm. Um, mm. You know, and without that, we're just going to continue down this spiral because when you look at sort of SEM places and these specialist schools, there is getting a bigger and bigger demand for these places because children aren't coping in mainstream. And yet, you know, we're putting more and more people into these specialist settings with limited limited funds. And the behaviour on the whole is deteriorating. Um, uh, what would you say to people? And, you know, I don't know. I'd be really interested to know. And it would be probably impossible to find this out. But mm. the rates of... Like we mentioned that 13% figure yeah. of teachers who were assaulted over a year. It'd be really interesting to see what that figure was in all the countries around the world, wouldn't it? Because yeah. I don't think I I don't think that in let's take another continent as a, as an example. Let's say Africa. Yeah. I and let's let's say we took ten or fifteen countries in Africa and we said, right, thirteen percent of UK teachers have reported being assaulted in the prior year. I don't think we'd find one where it was up at 13% in those countries. Um, that's just my hunch. Could be completely wrong on that. Maybe, you know, maybe it's 20, 30% in some of these countries, but, you know, we're, we're not going to know because we can't survey them. But, my, but there are those who would say that it is about a lack of funding, a lack of money for the families, for the kids, for, you know. It's not just in- about that, though, is it? It's, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, what we've got is social media plays a big part we've got access of online porn Mm. that's dealt Mm. to sort of the the very disgusting sexualized behavior that we as female teachers now seem to be facing that we never did before um you know and and we've got this sort of i mean we're looking at sort Mm. of um what's in the media at the minute i mean russell brand and you know how that's been covered up and that horrible misogynistic behavior that now seems to be the norm or excused away mm-hmm. and we've got that again which forms part of this this pot 
of this breakdown in 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 standards of behavior um we've got violent video games we've got sort of the whole grime rap sort of music and but what would you yeah what what would you say though to those who would say there's no evidence that you know rap music hip-hop you know i remember the 90s gangster rap in the u.s and all that sort of stuff there was never any evidence as intangible evidence and same with gaming actually to say if somebody plays like for example you know i used to play goldeneye a lot when i was like 12 13 14 on the n64 you know i used to play like goldeneye i used to play loads of like shoot 'em ups as you probably call them but i never i never got I, I always appreciated that was that was a game. It was James Bond. It was, you know, it's a game. Um, and I don't think, I, I don't know, like, what would you say to those who would say, no, it's not to do with that. It's just, it's, I don't know what it's to do with, but it's not to do with that. It's, it's a combination of things, though, isn't it? And, and yeah, also, yeah. I mean... I look back to my own upbringing and and yes, you know, I'm 51 now, so I'm probably quite old school. But if I was a pain at school, my mum and dad would literally ground me. I, I wouldn't be walking, basically, because, um, you know, we had standards of behaviour that were enforced at home. And it was just about being respectful, engaging with your education and I think the breakdown in society is also to do with this, isn't it? And, you know, it's it's a whole mixture of things. Um, it is uh, interesting, though, to sort of discuss why. Because yeah. it's, it's, when you do talk about this, you tend to get, well, COVID, you know, and the impact of lockdowns and stuff, which, you know, fair enough, fine. But it can't just be that. I mean, you mentioned, right. you know, like this is you mentioned your first experience of an, uh, this this experience you had of a terrible assault was in 2019 before yeah. COVID. Um, so maybe it's been a, a gradual thing. Um, Shaniqua, I don't know whether you've got any sort of commentary on that in terms of like what the government needs to do, why this is happening, like what needs to happen to change it, like if you're still there. Hiya. No, I'm still here, still listening. Really mm. interesting. Thank you for the advice as well, Wendy, and just everything. Mm. Um, I think there's definitely limited funds in um well, I, I this happened to me in um in a sp- alternative provision. So I'm a bit like uh, you know, I'm thinking in that perspective. Um but I realised going there, you know, there's limited funds, like it's a high turnover in some of these uh, people for our units. And actually, I was getting paid a lot less than I do in a mainstream, which was mad because I felt like it was a lot more work. Um, so actually, just having a bit more of a focus on that. And actually, I found a lot of the children we'd get were high on the autistic spectrum and they should have been in a special school. But we found a lot of them was ending up in a PRU. Um, and actually, that some of those children would set other children off because the expectations, what they want is very different and what they need um, for some of those children. So actually that was something, but I just feel like this is something the government, I, I you know how I feel about Gillian Keegan. <laughs> so I'm not going to go fully into it, but I just feel like sometimes her focus is a lot on the wrong things. And actually I'd love to see this push on a bit more where actually for me, um, Tom will tell you guys, I didn't really want to come and speak on this, even though it's something that's so important to me and I feel really passionate about it. I was just like, you know, it's not something that I feel like a lot of us talk about because, you know. Well, do, do you think there's an issue with, with teachers who have been assaulted or been seriously abused being silenced? 
being yes. silenced. Definitely. I think definitely so. I think, um, you know, hey, me today, I was just like, oh, I don't know if I want to go up. I don't know if I want to speak because, you know, I feel like I'm a good role model and a lot of people come to me about teaching stuff. And this was one thing I was like, I didn't understand why it happened to me. And I had to think, am I even a good teacher? I remember, you know, the head teacher saying, you know, basically, if you can't deal with this, getting punched and stuff, well, maybe this is not the right place for you. And actually, as everyone told me, you don't go to work to get assaulted. And I'll say that to everyone. You do not go to work to get assaulted. And I don't think enough teachers talk about it, support staff talk about it. Support staff get it a lot. Um, mm-hmm. the last Absolutely. Months, yeah, they really do. And I think over the last couple of months, and I'll say thank you to Tom for highlighting it, I've seen it a lot more on Twitter where people are speaking out, be it anonymously, but people are speaking out now and saying, you know, I'm getting hurt. And actually, a lot of these people are mainstream. So actually... I feel like mainstream, they go quiet. A lot of people are going quite quiet about it. And I wish... Uh, we could why do you think that is? Why, why is this? Is it because <laughs> teachers... Is it because schools and um, organisations want to save face? They don't want any attention on that because they see it as a reflection on them rather than on the student who's actually done it? I, I don't know. Like, Yeah, I mean... I'm just going to say what I think. And what I think is definitely, I think, you know, some schools think, oh, it's a reflection on us. So, you know, you're not going to say anything. You know, like I said, we were told in a briefing not to have a discussion anymore to do with it. And if we're not happy with it, we shouldn't really be there. And actually, we need to remember why we've come to this school. Um, And actually, some of us are not actually here for the children if we're upset about what happened. And actually, if I can remember correctly, the next day there was one adult who decided to stay late with the child and the police and they were given an award in front of everyone a certificate in our meeting and I just remember being in shock because I was like this is a member of child this is a child in my class and I left at my time because I had spent the whole day being touched up all day and literally someone else got an award for that and I just think you know it's something I don't like to speak about and I probably won't speak about this again (laughs) for a while yeah Um, but I think it's so important to talk about. So actually, thank you for giving you know me a platform and giving other people a platform to talk about this. But I definitely think it's something being hidden. So I, I don't know how the government needs to work on this because behaviour at the moment is uh, it's a bit all over the place. It's all over the place. So um, is it, do you know what? I'm seeing a lot of like little behaviour consultants all over Twitter, though. This is their time to shine. They're everywhere at the moment, aren't they? <laughs> Let me not say any names, but they're everywhere, Tom. <laughs> um... Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, it's like with with behaviour, um, and I've sort of, you know, I I, I talk about behaviour and stuff, and mm. you know, what what could happen and how how to do things and whatever. But ultimately, until you've been in that situation, look, Wendy's highlighted it very well, and 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 I know uh, you are an absolutely incredible uh, professional and teacher. So it doesn't really matter how good you are at your job and how many strategies or tactics or you know what approach you're using when when somebody is abused or they're assaulted it brings out that sort of survive mechanism and a lot of the stuff that is talked about is very nice and it's it's completely right and correct but ultimately this is about survival if a child is literally endangering you physically and emotionally then all of that stuff about, well, if you were a good teacher, this wouldn't happen sort of stuff. Or or if your lessons were more engaging, then, you know, all that sort of, you know, not, not that in, in essence, but yes, that sort of stuff goes on. 
um, if you were good, if you had good relationships with them, then this wouldn't happen. You know, I've seen that on social media. I've, I've heard people talk to me about that and say to me, this is what was said to me. You know, you, you need to work on building those relationships. Right. But if somebody is being assaulted, if somebody is being seriously abused, then a lot of the mechanisms of this is how I build relationships and this is how I teach well and this is how I do these things. Unless a teacher can feel safe, my my sort of prompt would be how can they how can they teach well? How can they be good at their job if they don't feel secure and they don't have to look over their shoulder in the classroom thinking, is someone gonna I had a, I've still got a friend actually, a friend of a friend. Um, it's actually one of my best friend's partners and she left teaching um we're going back probably 10 years now but she left she left teaching and the reason is is she was a science teacher and kids used to like with i say kids she was secondary so these these were year 10s and 11s they were much taller than her and they used to stand around her desk um sort of making sort of intimidating and and standing really close to standing in her personal space and um you know some of it was quite sexualized and some of it was quite intimidating and and so she left because of that she left the profession because of that and for you know when people say oh well maybe mrs x could have done xyz listen nobody should have to do anything (laughs) <laughs> this is just my opinion now, Tom. No one should have to do anything to be able to just be able to exist as a professional in their work environment and feel safe enough to do their job, right? That's just my opinion. I'm putting that out there. Um, it's not the opinion of Teachers Talk Radio. It's the opinion of one of its hosts, me, Tom. And I am saying that, you know, there needs to be that element of security there. And we've heard from two guests there, Shanique and Wendy, who's both shared very clearly that they didn't. I mean, Wendy, did you did you feel safe after this happened? Because you presumably you were still there for a while after this all went on. No, not at all. Um, I used to walk in in the morning. I, I, I had quite a commute to work. And as I literally pulled in the drive, it was like, oh, my God, what am I going to face today? And it, it it was like assault after assault. And, you know, my arms were black and blue. I was having to wear long sleeve jumpers in case people thought my partner was battering me. <laughs> and I didn't go to work for that. I absolutely didn't go to work for that. And I felt angry that I wasn't being protected. And and it's a bit like, um, you know, the other guest speaker was saying earlier, that there are signs up in doctor surgeries everywhere saying abuse won't be tolerated. So why do we as teachers feel that we have to tolerate it? Why? I don't understand Mm. that. I want to sort of go into the legality now, because I know adapter here and, you know, I was hoping they might come in and speak and maybe they still will. Um, but just in the meantime, I've actually got a bit of advice from them in front of me. And EDUCT, uh, if you don't know who they are, they're, they're, a, they're not like your typical union. Um, they are uh, a modern apolitical alternative. They offer expert legal employment and mental health support. 
Um, so, you know, they're, they're always apolitical and independent. They specialize solely in supporting individual teachers. Um, oh, they're here. They're here. Adapter here. Um, is that Alistair? Is he here? Yeah. Hi, Tom. I've been up. Hi. Hello. Good evening. Um, I was um, uh, here earlier. Just been listening in. Oh, um, fantastic. So fantastic. I, like I say, don't know if you've um, heard. First of all, just um, a massive thank you to uh, Wendy and Shanique, actually, for, for sharing their stories. I think this is a really um, important issue. Um, and, and uh, you know, I think the first thing I'd say is I'm just sorry, sorry for you guys to have had to have gone mm -hmm. through um, such an experience. Um, but, you know, thank you so much for, for sharing on here. Um, I think there's, there's loads of different bits I think I could pick up on. I think one of the things I wanted to just mention is that we were talking a little bit about data and, 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 and what was out there in terms of records of this obviously yes. we you know we talked about the NES UWT survey there um but there is a real lack of kind of national level data on a lot of these things yeah. um whether that's um violence against teachers but also just a lot of things anything kind of negative towards teachers there's a real um absence of data I think the last time the DFE did anything of the size on this public at least shared it publicly um was in 2011 uh, and 2012 so it's yeah. been a real um long period since that since that certainly um uh, happened it's a long time isn't it yeah and, ob yeah. and obviously the, you know the education space has, has changed a, a hell of a lot um since then so tell us i, I want to ask you alistair just based on sort of from from an adapt perspective and, and what sort of i mean i want to ask you just like a series of questions about this and like from a i get i guess from a i don't mean a legal standpoint but any standpoint like you're assaulted by a pupil what should you do after the incident yeah so um I should probably make this really clear that I am not part of our legal team. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so I'm not a qualified uh, solicitor in that sense. However, I think there are some some basic uh, kind of tips. And I think some of the things which both Wendy and Shaniqua were kind of talking about, like just really highlight how each situation is different and individual. And it's often the responses to those um events and, and situations which kind of determine what you do next i think you know certainly what i was hearing from both of them was a, a real lack of you know what they felt was a lack of support from their their leadership team where that's happened um in a, in a positive way that really changes the outcomes of, of a lot of these situations um i think the, the first thing to kind of really mention which i think is really important and, and is it's probably something which is forgotten um quite a bit is that as employers, there is a legal duty to ensure the health and safety of your employees. Mm. And where that, and that, you know, that's under, you know, quite long held legislation in the Health and Safety at Work Act, um, which I think was from the 70s. So, you know, there are legal duties in place in which that does give some uh, ground for employees to, to do things. And, and to take action, um, the bit where this is difficult is that you know that that once we start getting into the law, 
you know, that's where you kind of need that expertise and where, you know, ourselves and, and you know, Wendy will know this certainly from the NSUWT, the unions play, play a really important role in providing um, that advice. So, yeah, I mean, there's lots of, again, like it's a really complex issue like, with any sort of yes. violent act. You know, um, I think even just in the discussion that we've been having, just shows you kind of like how complex causes are um, and also like potential reactions. I think there's some really basic things, I think, which are really important um, for any teacher, for any sort of incident, really, but certainly um, one of this. First of all, you know, obviously, is to, to try and get yourself safe um, and put your own safety first, uh, um, which is not always that easy to do. But, you know, once you are safe is, is to try and... Um, as soon as you know you feel comfortable in doing so get some assuming you know you're not hurt or you're not in need of um kind of immediate um first aid or, or kind of just emotional support in that sense is it's just to write down what's happened um it's really easy for for memories to to be cloudy you know after the event so to just try and get some kind of basic yeah. understanding the way you know in the same way that we talk about this with with statements of you know with pastoral incidents just getting some key facts down so that you can go back to those whenever we support teachers with incidents of any sort that written evidence can be really really useful um so i'd kind of um recommend that for sure i think the second half of that is also making sure um that you get the right support emotionally like you know what i certainly heard from from both wendy and shanique there was real trauma and it was really um yeah uh, heartbreaking to hear about the way in which that wasn't supported within the organization i think um school i think as a society we're getting better at supporting and recognizing trauma i think um and and have and now have the kind of uh, ways in which we can support with with mental health issues um, you know, a lot of schools will have some sort of uh, mental health provision, um, perhaps through an EAP. Um, certainly, you know, one of the things we've sort of brought in this year is, is having giving teachers 24-7 access to, to mental health support and counselling because we kind of recognise it's such an important part. Um, and also, you know, you've got organisations like Education Support uh, who are charity who can do those sort of things. accessing that support you know it's, which isn't necessarily an easy thing to do um you know certainly the way you know you were talking about the difficulty in sharing some of this um but trying to get that specialist support i think is really really um important for sure can i mention i want to throw something in here because it is uh a teacher is entitled to use reasonable force mm -hmm. to defend themselves or other pupils. Yep. Um, I, I think this is important, isn't it, in this context? I don't know whether you, Alistair, now or, or maybe a future day or you could tweet something, but, um, you know, what 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 does that... Is, is there any... Because for me, I mean, I've witnessed this in a school I worked in, we're going back now 14 years, where there was a fight on the, on the field, on the school field. And I was on duty with another, another guy um, who was a Welsh teacher. And 
as we ran onto the field, because it was quite a serious fight. It wasn't just like a bit of pushing and shoving. It was a real, you know, there was blood everywhere, whatever. And he, we both ran over there. And while he was running, he was shouting, um, uh, I am, what was he saying? I, it, it was a legal statement. <laughs> he was shouting as he was running over there. Yeah. Um, to, to, to stop this from happening, uh, to try and get in the middle of this, basically, to, to stop the assault, to stop the violence, whatever. And he was, like, shouting this legal jargon, which at the time I didn't know what he was doing because I was completely unaware of this. In fact, at the time, I probably didn't even know the statement reasonable force. But I wondered whether you could maybe shed a bit more light on this in terms of, you know, a teacher who's a victim of an assault. What are they able or entitled to do themselves yeah so reasonable force is 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 allowed um in terms of uh you know you know the way it's kind of written is that it can be used to prevent uh further harms um so preventing people from hurting themselves yeah. or others um even from damaging property um and this is the the bit where it gets difficult is that it's down to your professional judgment um and you know it'll always depend on the individual circumstances we've talked about the importance of working in teams and that certainly helps to kind of provide things I, you know from the sounds of what your colleague was trying to do i think he was trying to just really make it clear and articulate what the thought process was to um try yeah. and stop influence yeah. about what was happening yes um yes. and you know it's certainly not i wouldn't say that's uh, i would say it's probably quite a sensible thing to kind of Give some really cute yeah, communication I'm, about um, I mean, I, what's I, happening. Nothing that's why I what we do in, in difficult situations sometimes with when we're dealing with difficult behavior or you know pastoral issues is often you kind of articulate what you're trying to do to make it clear so that there are none of those gray areas. That's obviously really difficult to do in and of the moment. Um, and I think, you know, again, that's why it's really important to once kind of incidents have been you know, when you have got that moment after an incident is to kind of just go through that in your head, what happened, make it clear what, you know, what's happened, follow all the correct policies in terms of reporting it to the appropriate people within the school, getting all that stuff and following policies, that stuff is really, really important because that shows that you've made reasonable steps to do the right thing. You know, I think there is an acceptance that, you, you know, things aren't going to be perfect. Um, but if you're, at least taken what you know what would be determined. This is where we get kind of it gets a bit more just, um, difficult in the law. What you know, what are reasonable steps, right? With reasonable force and reasonable steps, um, yeah, to doing the the right thing. And you know, the law will try to certainly support common sense. That's that's the kind of idea behind the law is that it, it supports um, what should be sensible for the common person. So taking those um i think it's again it's really hard to, to talk about doing this in the moment like that can those considered steps and i think that's why you know training around positive handling and and we always talk about the importance of being um around other staff members when you're dealing with tricky situations all those things play a kind of important role in in terms of safeguarding the teachers and i that sort of just just mentioning that you know uh, kind of reminded me of one of the comments that someone had put on earlier. I think it was Amy talk about this idea of safeguarding teachers. Um, 
you know, there's been, you know, huge steps forward in safeguarding pupils um, and just safeguarding in general within schools. Um, and it's perhaps that say, the safeguarding of teachers is, you know, sounds like perhaps could be an area which could do with a bit of extra focus, perhaps. Mm, mm, very, very good point. Um, in, indeed. Um, yeah, um, Yasmin's called in. Yasmin, I don't know whether you want to throw in your two pennies on this. One of our TTR hosts, like Shanipa, legends in their own lunch times. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. Hi. Um, yeah, hi everyone. And yeah, I just thought I'd start with saying, like listening to Shanika and Wendy is genuinely really, really sad. Like I and I hope every teacher believes this, you know, like I always believe that no teacher deserves to experience any abuse at school like I feel like it's so unacceptable and you know just being on Twitter all these years and even just listening to this today like it is really shocking and horrible to hear about abuse um and I think the thing for me is in teaching I feel like every teacher I know goes into teaching because they care about kids you know they want to teach them they want to improve their lives in many ways but every teacher I know kind of like lives in you know, fear of like allegations being made against them or, you know, um, and I just think that it's just really sad how a lot of that stuff happens. And, you know, schools do have a duty of care, for, um, as Idat mentioned. Um, but at the same time, like, I feel like, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this, there are a lot of the time cursory assessments made about teachers' behaviour management. And I feel like a lot of the time in schools, mm. and I, I know as a union rep, definitely, when I was in mainstream, I mean, I'm in a pro now as SLT, but I do remember in particular in mainstream, you know, there's, whenever a new teacher joins a school, whether they're, you know, an ECT or like an experienced teacher, everyone's kind of, you know, watching them and making cursory assessments about their behaviour management. And I often found that the teachers that were perceived as, you know, quote unquote, good teachers were often mm. you know, heavily backed by SLT. And the teachers that were, you know, quote unquote, bad teachers or weren't good at behaviour management weren't supported. And I often found, you know, they were the ones that were the most vulnerable to verbal abuse or just, you know, whatever, any any kind of abuse. Yeah. Um, but I was also going to say that... Um, I don't there there are some things I don't agree with though and obviously that you know this is more for another time like I could talk about this all day but you know there are some opinions I heard on you know trauma-informed practice and restorative practice that are things that I really support and you know I do I will agree I do think that they are a lot of the time misused or explained in a really bad way or maybe implemented badly even by schools I don't doubt that but I just, you know, for me, in my own practice, there are things that have really helped me as a teacher, both in mainstream and in Peru's. And um, also, like, the things like type of music, I don't really think that contributes at all to abuse. Like, the other day on Twitter, I saw that, um, that BBC News posted, like, this parent and her daughter for um it said something about the the girl had refused to follow some sort of school rule and I was thinking sorry why is this a national news story you know like I genuinely feel like part of the abuse that teachers face in schools is because of how the media denigrates teachers you know the, I, I don't doubt for a second that has knock-on effects for both um parents pu pupils everyone and you know if you can go on the news for defying a school rule like what incentive do you have to listen as a child to any rule in a school do you know what i mean like i feel like the biggest contributor to why it's, um more teachers are being abused and assaulted in schools is because of the media in all honesty but does that yeah yasmin a critic of what you've just said would say is that not taking responsibility again 
completely off the child for well, what well, they've I, done or what I, they're I, doing by saying it's the media or it's this or it's that. No, no, it's... I just mean, I, I mean, no, not really. Um, I just don't agree with the fact that it's music. Like, I know Wendy earlier said that... Um, I'm trying to remember the point. I know Wendy earlier said that, you know, restorative practice takes accountability away from the child, but I personally don't agree with that at all. I think if if it's taking away responsibility from the child, then I feel like it's done incorrectly. Um, and I don't think a child, like even listening to, you know, Shaniqua earlier, I don't think it should ever be the case that a child has assaulted or abused a teacher and they don't face a consequence or a sanction. Like, I think it has to be sanctioned. And if it isn't, I feel like it's the schools that aren't, or, you know, the leaders who make the decisions that are enabling the pupils and also letting down their staff and putting them in this position. You know, I think a lot of the time, you know, the same way we've got loads of think tanks and whatever in education that's made up of people who aren't even teachers. I think sometimes in schools as well, there are loads of leaders who don't actually teach in a classroom, but make all the decisions on behaviour policies when they're not, you know, impacted by it on, on the front line themselves. And, you know, I think that is a huge issue in teaching. I genuinely think it's a big problem, but I don't see like restoratives as taking away accountability from a child. But, also but in, but in many, I've, I'll, I'll let Wendy come in, actually. Wendy, do you want to come in on this before I sort of follow up with a question? I think I, I can remember one restorative approach. And we've got this child who um, who kept being verbally abusive to male members of staff, calling them real offensive terms and derogatory terms for female members of staff. And we actually sat him down and, and said how, he made us, how it made us feel and... He, he apologised and then literally the next day the behaviour continued and he said, I only apologised because it was expected in that meeting, but I didn't mean it. And I think mm. it's, it's just paying lip service to something. And whilst in some circumstances I can see a restorative approach would be appropriate, where there's violence or extreme verbal aggression, it's... It, life isn't like that and are we doing these children any favors by employing these approaches i don't mm. think so that's my experience anyway yasmin yeah i mean wendy i completely completely see what you're saying like i do think that you know a teacher a teacher's well-being is just as important as a pupil's well-being at all times i don't think it should ever be you know uh, i don't think approaches should ever be at the cost of one person in this you know dynamics well-being and you know for me that is an approach that's done incorrectly i think something is but yasmin how just just to sort of try to cut to the point like what you're saying that you you believe in the trauma-informed approach to doing things or at least at the very least you think it should be there so let's put it in real world terms if an assault has taken place on a teacher in a school environment whether that be a pru or a mainstream school what in your view what should the pro what is the process after that happens yeah I mean is exactly what I was just about to say yeah um I mean 
there are so I was gonna say there are times when you know things are so serious like that's that's not in my opinion what you've just described Wendy isn't a trauma-informed approach like I think that's wrong I think when it's as serious as abuse and assault a child has to be sanctioned every school should have a behavior policy and every school I've come across has a behavior policy that says um, a child should be excluded for that kind of offense now whether it's a fixed term or you know suspension whatever permanent exclusion even I don't think any of those things are wrong in that um, instance um, but you know obviously that's for the head teacher to decide but I think restoratives and trauma-informed practice are really useful because the same thing you just described there Wendy that you know it could be lip service I think detentions can also be lip service I'm sorry but in my experience there have been kids I've sanctioned who've done the same thing again and again whether whether or not they've had that one hour detention so for me like a child can go on to repeat behavior either way I see trauma-informed practice and restoratives as I see that as the best way for preparing a child for adulthood and all the things that you've described Wendy because I think you're teaching them you're, you're explaining to them why something was wrong you're helping them to understand and learn the lines that they've crossed why they shouldn't and you know I don't see that as like appeasing a child I see I personally see that as something that helps their development you know, I, I think there's a lot of soft skills and interpersonal skills that children need to work on the same way they do my subject. Like I'm a science teacher, but I think I could do a lot to help children, you know, with their interpersonal skills. And so I think really any sanction in a school can a child can still ignore and repeat. Do you see what I mean? So, like, I think restoratives, in my opinion, restoratives and trauma-informed practice are unfairly blamed. I feel like it's a scapegoat for the fact that the government haven't done enough to support staff in schools. I don't think it's children's fault. Shanika, have you got a view on this? I don't know if she's still there. Um, Wendy, oh, there you go. No, no, I'm here. I'm, I'm just listening. No, no, I'm just listening and taking note of everything. So I don't have anything yet. I'm yeah. just listening. When, Wendy, I don't know whether you want to come back on, on what Yasmin said there in terms of your experience and... and, and... Yeah, but I, I I think that, you know, in, in some respects, when, when you punish children, you don't just do that out of the blue. I think, you know, there is a lot of explanation and guidance that does lead up to that. And, you know, children do know right from wrong. They know that swearing at a member of staff is wrong. And, you know, when you put them in detention or whatever, you don't just put them in detention for the hell of it. And yes, you know... Children do retaliate to boundaries and, and may feel that a detention is pointless, but by taking away something, it it does teach them a life lesson. Um, and, and I'm not, like I keep saying, I'm not one for, for exclusion, but detentions and things aren't just given out of the blue. There is an explanation given as to what they've done wrong or, or an undesirable behaviour. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely believe that. I mean, I I still give children detentions. I think I always will. Um, you know, I, I know that detentions are not out of the blue and I've never looked at a teacher giving a people a detention and ever questioned it. Um, but I've just in my experience and in the teachers that I've supported, I've really found, you know, um, trauma-informed practice is something that when done correctly can really, really support children and even staff well-being. Um, but I, you know, Wendy, like I completely understand what you're saying. I think you've had awful experiences, um, you know, even listening to you to describe the PTSD that you've experienced. Like, I do really want to say I'm not trying to undermine anything that you say. Um, and, you know, I'm I think it's really sad that you've experienced the things that you have. And, you know, I understand 
why you hold the views that you do. And I do. I will also say as well, like I, I don't like how a lot of people say for, if I use Twitter as an example, I do think that part of why trauma-informed practice and restorative practice, in my opinion, is quite misunderstood or gets quite a bad rap is because it's explained really poorly at times. Or you know, but, but, people... the, but the thing is, Yasmin, just to come in there, if, if someone has what appears to be a really good idea, yeah. Um, but then no one can implement it properly. Is it still a good idea? I mean, I feel like I implement it properly, in all honesty. Like, I'm in a prude at the moment. Um, and, you know, I don't want to talk about the positive experiences I've had because, you know, I, I feel like it's kind of besides the point. I, I don't want to really take away from anything that Wendy and Shaniqua have said because, you know, I, teachers, whether or not, you know, it doesn't matter how happy or great my experiences have been, abuse and assault still happen in school. So I'm not going to you know, sit here and talk about any good experiences I've had. But I definitely think trauma-informed practice works. I've seen it work. I, I would say it works in my school. Um, you know, I, I think there are good examples. I just think it's not really widespread enough. And, you know, I've been in mainstream that's like a mix of zero tolerance and restorative. And, you know, I've seen how restorative practice can at times really let teachers down and how undermined, you know, teachers feel sat in front of a child where, you know, like it's almost like a who's right and another member of staff is getting to decide. Like, I, I get it. Like, I do know a lot of poor examples, but I don't think the problem is restorative practice or trauma-informed practice in itself. I think it's the people aren't trained enough or don't do it properly. Or again, like back to the point I made earlier, I just think a lot of decisions are made by people who don't know how it feels to be in a classroom and be at risk of attack or kind of have your confidence eroded by the same problems again and again. Like, I think that's a big issue in teaching. I think everyone in a school, whether they're a head teacher or not, should have some lessons, like regular lessons in a school. Wendy, I don't know whether you want to say anything more on that or or not. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree totally. I think everyone in a school should hold a teaching load. I think it's very easy to make decisions when you're not at the chalk face. I mean, I, I can remember um, just before I left teaching and I, I had to go to one of the other schools and I left cover work for um, the assistant head to take my lesson. And he took my class out for coffee because for the simple reason he couldn't handle those children and yet he was making decisions as to behavior and um, sanctions for poor behavior and so I do think it's it's appropriate but I, I'm not in agreement with restorative practice I, I mm -hmm. I'm, I'm glad it's worked for you Yasmin and, and and yeah I understand it does work for some people but I just think for for children it's a soft option just sitting there and apologising and then carrying on with the same behaviour again because society isn't like that and we're not preparing children adequately for the future if we do this. That's I mean, just my thoughts. Yeah, fair enough, Wendy. And I do want to say as well, I don't believe in it as a standalone. Like, I really believe in it, but I do still believe that sanctions should exist. You but that's, I mean? Yasmin, that's, that's, I think, the point Wendy was making earlier is that um, I don't know if you were here for this bit, but basically Wendy was saying that in 2019, they, and I think this happens a lot, actually, is that uh, trauma-informed slash restorative practice was was seen as a replacement, or at least in part replacement, for, san for a sanctioned system or a system of effective sanctions. And I think that happens 
because I think people think this is the way we need to go. This is, you know, in this new world that we live in, this new reality, we need to adopt these approaches. So that's not to say that as a the question I posed to you five minutes ago, Yasmin, was if somebody has a really good idea on paper or a really good set of things, but it doesn't work for enough people or it cannot be implemented by enough people well. And when it is not implemented well, it has disastrous results in my view yeah i don't know if i i personally couldn't necessarily call that a good idea it it depends for me on the proportionality of it in terms of how often it can have a positive this idea whatever the idea is can have a positive impact and can be a positive thing but i'd say tom i think it can be implemented well i just i never said i didn't say it couldn't be implemented well i said the proportion and the number of times that it is not if it if it can't be if an idea cannot be implemented well how are we measuring that how like what is the stats on that do you know what i mean like i don't even know how many schools have done it i just think there Mm. is i think there's just too much kind of like subjective opinions on it like yeah perhaps perhaps i mean yeah i mean if it was a thing sorry tom so sorry to interrupt you if it was a thing where you know there was like a policy that said okay every school now you know has to try trauma-informed practice or restorative practice and then we then you know said well this hasn't really worked you know on on a wide scale level or something then maybe but i just think a lot of the evidence is anecdotal it's subjective and you know i i think the same way you know like you only hear about the planes that crash that are reported like and not you know all but i think i think nas nas uwt have made statements in scotland in particular about the number of issues that teachers have raised in scotland as an example um where um where trauma-informed practice or restorative practice has been has been um used and implemented in a way where they have felt completely disenfranchised on behavior many many i mean that's if you google nasuwt scotland and have a look at what they've said you know they, they've said that and many of their members are raising this as a key issue when it comes to behavior so i don't know whether that would be classed as anecdotal as you say but that's that's evidence at least on some level that there are some issues there that that really need to be looked at yeah, I mean, I I don't doubt that there are like, do you know what I mean? Like, I I definitely understand what you're saying, but you know, I I would like to see. Is it like data that's available that you could like send to me? Because I would like to see it. Because if it's a case of asking questions, do you have a problem? Mm. Then I I wouldn't be surprised to hear that teachers do. And also, like I I mean, every teacher I know is having somewhat of a tough time in at least one yeah. area of school and you know I, I feel like on a national level teachers are being failed in many ways and I think as well you know the cuts to so many public services has put extra burden on teachers and I don't doubt that contributes to why teachers are having you know a tougher time in classrooms why behaviors deteriorated like you know teachers are expected to deal with everything I mean, I'll just read you. Yeah, I mean, I'll just read you. So this this is from um, the Herald in Scotland, which paraphrases what NASUWT have said. Um, Restorative justice in Scottish classrooms is in the spotlight again, as a teaching union claims the practice is causing a rise in violence and the abuse of teachers. A survey found teachers being spat at, headbutted, punch kicked and having chairs thrown at them, while one claimed to have been beaten unconscious with a scooter. NASUWT claims 
uh, in quotes, an over-reliance on often ineffective restorative approaches to managing pupil behaviour is exasperating an increase in verbal and physical abuse from pupils in the last 12 months. New research examining the scale of pupil behaviour concerns among teachers in Scotland, which was published uh, on the 22nd of August, um, uh, by the teachers union has found that a majority of teachers report an increase in the issue um, and then it goes on a whistleblower at Bannerman High School in Glasgow who told of the failings of restorative justice in the secondary school where alleged violence prompted staff to walk out on strike it goes on from that I mean I can send you the link to that article so you can have a read of it and and the linked N-A-S-U-W-T report that's linked to it I mean certainly you know I think any approach there's never going to be an approach where someone's going to say it can never work. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think yeah. there's always going to be somebody who's that my, my question, and I agree with you, you know, we, we probably do need more research in this area to actually get a whole picture. But certainly there is some emerging evidence to suggest that this approach, and, and Wendy is another example of that in what she said earlier on in terms of her school switching from one particular model to another model, as in restorative trauma-informed practice, and it becoming a complete change in the behavior that that's happened so i agree with you we need a bigger picture is basically what i'm saying um we've got simi now i hope that's how you pronounce your name simi do do correct me if i'm wrong no that's absolutely fine that's perfect thanks hi tom hi everyone um i'm Hello. i just i just on the note of George, i've been teaching for 10 years and i've worked in you know academies in london I've also worked in independent schools and I've seen restoratives being done, you know, across, you know, different schools. And I am, I do think to some extent it does work for certain pupils, you know, having that ability to mm. reflect and, you know, have some agency over yeah. their thoughts and feelings. However, I really do. I think it needs, it always needs to go back onto the ownership and accountability of the pupil. And I wonder, do these restoratives just allow, is, is it just, you know, more work for the teacher? You know, it's their lesson that's been disrupted. It's their, you know, it's it's the disrespect that's happened in their class. And as a, as a victim myself of verbal and to some extent physical abuse at these schools, um, then you then have to go after and follow up and take more time out of your day to, to kind of resolve something which... Um, really you know i i don't think can happen um over restorative i've i've done many over the years and i don't think i've ever found them to be successful but on the other note i think if you're looking at the bigger picture it all when it comes to assault and abuse i think very it very much depends on what your head teacher stances on these things so for example in my previous school there was no exclusions like that wasn't a possibility you know there, mm. there was no such thing as zero tolerance and so if that barrier is not set up, then how, you know, then the students don't have a limit. And so if, if parents, you know, don't think, oh, well, you know, our students can, you know, my child could be excluded from school if they are verbally abusive, then where where do you stand? And so I think the restorative is, is, is definitely a way of, you know, them trying to find a solution. They even try to rebrand it and, you know, get them to do these reflective forms. But ultimately, if the head teacher is not able to a support her staff and say no if you're being physically or verbally abused that student needs to be excluded i think it's really difficult to then say to the students right these are your limits you can't cross that and so i have a real issue um with the way leadership tackle this and i just wonder yeah and i think that's i think that's what that's what yasmin was sort of saying i mean i'm not going to put words in her mouth but she was sort of saying that 
you know, it, it, it's, it can be implemented badly, but fundamentally it's a good thing and it, if done well, it, it's a good thing. I think my sort of question was around, is, this ha- is it happening too often that it is not being implemented well? And therefore, when something is not implemented well enough by so many people, is that because they don't have the skill or the training to implement it? Or is it simply because it is too um, suspect as a way of, of being, a, you know, is it, does it require too much to be able to implement it well? And I think the other flip issue that many people seem to highlight around this is when it, when it replaces sanctions and that, that can happen. Um, and, and it does happen. Now, many, I'm sure there will be people, even in that circumstance, who would turn around and say, well, yeah, but it worked even then. I, you know, on Twitter, I've seen that when I've sort of talked about this and people have replied saying, well, we we took away our sanction system, completely did away with it and went for this restorative trauma informed approach. And we've experienced better behavior. I'm sure that can happen. I, you know, I, I don't see I, I haven't been there, so I don't know. But um, but yeah, I think as I think it was Yasmin who said that a lot of this will be anecdotal, but certainly we can't ignore the voices of teachers on this. So it's, I think I think we could spend all night talking about this, to be frank. Um, and it is a very interesting discussion. Yasmin, that's a good idea for a future TTR show or Shaniqua or me. Who knows? But um, definitely it's a it's a topic that I think it's a hot topic. I think that many, many teachers, I think it brings out strong reactions because I think people have had bad. Ex- I think some teachers have had very bad experiences with it as Wendy's just said. I think some teachers are very passionate about it as a positive change, if you like. And I think there's many who are looking at it as a very dangerous part of the way things are going and not something that's helpful. I think you have a whole range of different opinions on it. And it's very. it will be very interesting to see how it, how it all pans out. But certainly I think that, you know, um, the most important thing is in my opinion, is to protect teachers, for teachers to feel safe and secure in their schools. And whatever the approaches are, it has to be something where that happens. Because if that does not happen, then they can't teach and they can't be in that school. So whatever you call your approach and whatever you you sort of craft it as, if those things don't happen, then it's a bad approach. And it needs to be changed. That's just my opinion. So we've run out of time, people. But what an amazing discussion. Um, Alistair, I want to give you the final word, if you're still there, whether there's anything based on the last 20, 25 minutes of discussions that you would like to sort of throw in there from an adapt perspective. Um, no, I mean, nothing particular. I mean, we never really <laughs> talk about pedagogy. as, as a Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it's a whole different uh, ballgame, isn't it? I think the the other thing I would always just you know just say is just I think it just highlights all of these issues which come up just highlights the importance of having access to the appropriate level of support whether that's with adapt or whether that is a union yes you know, the, the worst thing that happens to us every day in our in certainly in what we do every day is having people ringing up with some awful situations who just don't have access to that protection so um, if I take it if I always have a platform to say something, that is what I always say. Make sure you get some sort of protection, whether that's us, whether that's a union, doesn't really matter, but make sure you get some protection. 
Absolutely. And I think um, this will probably be a good point for me to say that if you do decide to check out Adapt, adapt.org.uk, uh, you can get a 10% discount on a subscription with them by using the codes TTR annual or TTR monthly. Um, so that's all one word, TTR annual or TTR monthly. Uh, you get a 10% discount with um, Adapt and and possibly this discussion might <laughs> encourage you to to check that out. Uh, in more detail, I certainly think, as Alice has just said, um, some form of union representation in these circumstances is is essential um, and really, really important um, to to consider. Um, yeah, definitely. So um, that's it from me. Um, I'll be back next Monday um, at the same time, 7.30. Uh, we've got, got loads of shows this week. We've got an absolute ton of shows um, just before everybody runs off. Um, and if you're listening back to this, then thank you for getting through. Thank you for getting through 90 minutes. I really hope you've enjoyed uh, listening back to us um, on whatever platform you're listening back to this on. Uh, tomorrow morning, Sabrina, 11 o'clock in the morning, um, live on the TT Radio website. 7.30 tomorrow evening, John B. Same platform spaces um, live at 7.30 tomorrow evening. Uh, Catherine Taylor, 9 p.m. tomorrow. And then Wednesday, Tom Hopkins Burke with Edat. Alistair, you're back again. You've got a busy week, fella. Yeah. Uh, chatting, to, chatting about some kind of similar stuff to this, I guess we're we sharing a bit of what we did with our research with Teacher Tap about the. Interesting. I was, I was complaining about the there was a lack of data. So we sort of tried to get some. So the prevalence of allegations and, and all sorts of things. So um, yeah, it was certainly. I think I'm really looking forward to that. That's Wednesday night, 7 30 p.m. to 9. Tom Hopkins Burke's hosting. Um, Alistair will be there from, from Edapt as well and then um uh where am i up to yeah uh, after that we've got louise at nine thursday brent and adam 7 30 on spaces uh paul hazard 9 p.m friday poppy gibson maxine and emily follow on show so that's the lineup we have between now and friday so much for everybody to pick from there um so look out on our our social media feeds for the uh the the uh, promotions for each show find out the topics or just follow us on spotify apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcast from to keep a eye on the shows that are coming out um massive thanks to everybody who's listened live lee huge thanks paul uh i know uh, social sciences has just joined but thank you for joining us uh Taub, i hope that's how you pronounce your name thank you for joining us um and it, this will be available to listen back to uh, on the same link that you've clicked on if you've missed any of it. And also we'll publish it as a podcast. Thanks very much and good night. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio. Teachers Talk Radio.